Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you walked to join us once again. But for our radio audience tuning in here in Mississippi at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all can be with us. Also, tuning in through our online affiliates around the world, we're glad that you all could join us as well. For those who may not only be a, a fan of history, but also just love stories about family, faith, and what it means to be able to, to look for those that you love, our next guest, I think, has a book you'll definitely enjoy. We're excited to welcome Patrick Smithwick to our progress today. He's the author of the new book, Wars Overcome Home, a father's search for his son to tour Marine veteran of the Iraq War. I want to talk to Patrick not only about his own love of history, but what it's been like for him to share history with readers, and also writing the book, Wars Overcome Home, what it was like for him to be able to think about not only searching, but I think also life in itself. For those who are just now finding out about the book, we'll let you know how to get your own copy of it. Patrick, thank you again for the time. Really appreciate you stopping by. Thank you, Cyrus. It's a, it's a, I'm flattered to be on your show, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Oh, same here, Patrick. So, Patrick, let's start off with where we are, because the, the book is out now in the world. It came out this, this month. What has it been like for you, uh, Patrick, to see the way that readers are connecting, not only with your family, but also with the story? It's been it's been very moving for me, and um, sometimes um, I'm just stunned. Uh, just today, I I was in a, a store and I showed someone the uh, book, and and he was uh, I knew that he uh, was a Marine veteran, and he just stood there and read the you know the front cover and and looked at the uh, testimonials, the blurbs on the back, and flipped through the book, and and you could see he was just thinking of all the uh, all he had been through when he was a Marine and uh, was then he told me that, you know, that he wished me the best luck, very sincerely told me, wished me the best luck for finding our son, Andrew. So it's been very fulfilling. And um, I've, I've also discovered all kinds of people who are, who are interested in helping veterans with PTSD, which my son has. And that's been right. very inspiring. Well, Patrick, uh, this is not your first time being able to open the door and letting us kind of see a bit of not only yourself, your own faith, and your own story, but also that of your family. Have you always known that storytelling in some form was something that you wanted to do? Um, just about. I, when I was in college, I, I went to Johns Hopkins University, and I, at first I was an international uh, relations major and I was taking these English courses and I just loved them and then I took a writing course and I and I started writing about my life and the professors there and the students were uh, were really interested in my stories because they were so different from the suburban lifestyle in in uh, the United States but I was brought up in the horse racing world and my father was a legendary steeplechase jockey the greatest of all times in America. He's in the Hall of Fame, and my uncle is a legendary trainer and rider, also in the Hall of Fame. And so my upbringing on the racetrack was, you know, I was outside every morning at 5:30 in the morning when I was 14, 15 years old. Before I went to school, I 
and, and I worked my entire way through Johns Hopkins University by galloping horses at 5.30 in the morning uh, before classes. And the racetrack back then was a hard-drinking, uh, fast lifestyle. And we had to commute between different tracks. I live in Maryland, and we would be going to Delaware Park, Monmouth Park in New Jersey, all the way to Belmont Park in Saratoga. We were on the road. And uh, it was a very different lifestyle than, than most people can imagine. So uh, since, since that time, I wrote my first story about my father. And since then, most of my stories have been about people and, and subjects that I love. And my first story was about my father, who uh, just briefly, who at the height of his career, 39, uh, had a bad fall in a race and was paralyzed. And people thought he would die. And I was just a boy of 14 or 15 and, and trying to deal with all this. And he, he did pull out of it. But it was a horrible shock. And at the exact same time that he had that horrible fall, my mother broke her leg on a horse. And I was pretty much turned loose. And uh, um, this wonderful man called Speedy Canell on the racetrack who worked for my father and uncle. He's uh, part Cherokee, part African-American. He took care of me for about two or three weeks. And I've written a great deal about him in, in one of my books because – Years later, he and I teamed up and, to uh, train and race horses. Wow. Yeah, I'm so glad you gave a little bit of history for our audience. The book that I had referenced when I was prepping for your segment, uh, Patrick, was Racing Time, a memoir of love, loss, and liberation. And there are some definitely some through lines there from that book to what we see now with Wars Overcome Home in that you're dealing with life and loss. You know, there are so many people, though, Patrick, as you know, who have gone through so much in life. And I think sometimes, you know, we, we talk about, especially when you're talking about things like PTSD, and, and uh, where it's appropriate we're having this conversation in, during Mental Health Awareness Month as well, that a lot of times the war is not just on the battlefield. What has that been like for you to kind of deal with, with your, your own ravages of war in your life? What has that been like for you? That has been very interesting in a twofold way. I just realized recently that, um, that, that well, first of all, when Andrew was in Iraq and he had two tours in Iraq, and often I would, sometimes I would just, I have all kinds of pieces I've written that are around this office I'm sitting in or where I would be at work and I'd be doing emails and, and doing my writing or teaching. I've, I've been a teacher for years. And then all of a sudden, uh, during the war, and I would realize that, you know, people were fighting and being killed the very second that there I was teaching a, a class on Huckleberry Finn. And then also my, that my son was in danger. And sometimes, most of the time, I could sort of walk along and, and I would just sort of go off by myself and be quiet for a few minutes. That's what I would have to do. Say, if I was at a wedding, I remember going to a wedding one time now, so sad that Andrew at war while I was at this wedding. And then um, I've had all kinds of experiences where one day I was driving to work and I stopped at a coffee shop. This is in the book, uh, War's Over. And I stopped at a coffee shop and I went in and all the people were having coffee and joking around, looking at the newspaper and getting bagels. And I looked up on the television and there on the television was an airplane uh, uh, coming back from Iraq and unloading uh, body bags, soldiers in body bags. And then they switched to uh, two soldiers who were in the hospital, and one had his leg had been, uh, you know, blown off, and he was getting a prosthesis, and the other one was learning how to use an artificial hand. And meanwhile, everyone in the coffee shop is not paying attention to that, and 
like when I had those experiences, sometimes it's very emotional, and I would I would just have to go out and sort of try to get myself together and, and maybe cry for a while. And then um, the parallel experience, I only realized this, realized this recently, since Andrew got back, it took him about four or five years before he became homeless. He did all right for the first few years, and it just got worse and worse with PTSD. And so right now, as I talk to you, and I'm sitting in a, a comfortable room looking out on a field with our, my horses in it, we're having this conversation. Right now, my son is homeless, and he's walking, uh, pushing, perhaps pushing a bicycle loaded down with all his gears somewhere in the southwest. And and if I if I dwell on that and, and let that sink in, it you know it can um, it can really affect me. So I've had to learn to deal with it first during the war, and secondly, again when he's been homeless. The big difference is when he was homeless is um, many times we've received uh, phone calls, Facebook postings, uh, texts, photographs from people all over the country uh, trying to help us, and people have just been incredible trying to help us find Andrew and to help him. Uh, to help us find him uh, some way of improving his life. That was a mouthful. What do you think? <laughs> well, you know, and I, but I appreciate you sharing it, though, Patrick, because I think this conversation is going to help other people because, as I mean, I think you do show what is the split screen of so many of our lives, right, as we are sometimes, you know, having a great peaceful moment thinking about those that we love that are not at peace or that may be going through their own challenges. Is that what you hope the reader does as well, Patrick, when they're able to read this book to think about, you know, we, we it's very easy for us to complain about things, right? But when we kind of sit down and think about it, we do have it have it pretty good and to really reflect on those who may not have it as well as we do. Yes, that that is exactly what I want to do because Andrew is a, a microcosm of the of the, the situation where um, 60, 67,000 homeless vets in the United States today. There are 67,000 out on the street, and our family is one of thousands looking for their could be their uncle, their father, their their brother, or their son, and. Um, then also, there's quite a bit about the book because we're looking for the, through the, of course, the homeless veterans, but also the whole homeless situation. Right. And uh, so I did want to bring to bring this to people's attention and to make them aware that that these each of these, every single one of these men and women out on the streets is an individual, and has his thoughts and concerns, and just just as you and I do. You know, the the conversation about PTSD has definitely gotten better, uh, Patrick, and, I, and I've been bringing that up because these are not things that are easy to, to talk about because, quite honestly, and I think you kind of grapple with this in the book, it's not something that's always easy to understand. What has that conversation been like for you, to have conversations with others who have family members or they themselves are dealing with PTSD and understanding what it does to them as individuals? That has been very interesting. I've been extremely surprised over the um, last few years. Sometimes, because uh, as you know, I wrote the um, a racing, the trilogy about growing up in the world of horse racing and thoroughbred racing. And, and then the last book that you uh, talked about, Racing Time, is about my friendship for with these uh, three men and my, my love for them. And then they all died at, at the same time, or were about three months apart, and I gave their eulogies. So um, I've become 
if, as I've told people just over the last couple of years what I'm working on, or if I just tell them, they what people often do is they come up and they say, well, how are you children? But sometimes I'd be at a, at a, a lunch or something, and I'd just talk about my son, Patty, and my daughter, Eliza, who are, who are both doing very well. And, and then over the last year or two, then I would I would just say, what the heck? And I would throw in and I would say what Andrew was doing. And, and some people would step back. Some, sometimes the men would step back and they just wouldn't know what to say. And then the, the women would always step forward and, and ask for more. And then the, then usually the, the men would come around and they would want more information too. And uh, then at that point, at least, at least uh, two out of every 10 or one out of five people would have some connection to this problem. They would have an uncle or a father or even a grandparent from the World War II who had uh, PTSD and who was dealing with it. And many people had relatives and loved ones that were, that were uh, homeless, and I was surprised. And, and um, I was just talked to someone the other day about uh, uh, that he had a um, relative that was in the Marines and then got out and then rejoined and just couldn't seem to leave the war. And then, then he went in the CIA, but when he was in the Marines, he had his leg amputated. He had to have his leg amputated. Then he went in the CIA, and he just was on this adrenaline rush in Afghanistan and Iraq. And, and then one day, just recently, a few months ago, he committed suicide, and they were completely shocked. Because uh, up to about 22 uh, military or veterans uh, commit suicide a day. I think the number's lower now. But very many commit suicide every day. So I've learned that this is something that I share with many people, and many of them are quite knowledgeable about different ways to uh, to treat it, different therapies. I've learned all about, say, just recently because I've been a horseman and I've been in the horse world. You know that from reading Racing Time. I've learned a lot about equine assisted therapy at Columbia, uh, conducted by scientists at Columbia University. And it's been very successful helping helping veterans. And there, there are all sorts of programs out there. Um, just recently, I met someone who knows the grandson of General Patton, and that oh, wow. that young man, yeah, that young man has started the Patton the Patton Veteran Project, working with veterans through film. And then on the on the back of my book, uh, Wars Ever Come Home, is a testimonial by. A writer called Richard Dresser, a playwright and an author of a novel, and he founded something called the Writers Guild Initiative, which conducts conducts uh, writing workshops for veterans. So there's so many people, and I think we're really making some progress. So many people really devoting themselves and their energy to to helping these veterans. You know, I think, and then we have to go back to yourself in this, Patrick, because I think. The thing is, and I used to talk to my grandmother about this before we lost her uh, now nine years ago, is that everyone has a story, and more importantly, everyone's story matters, and your story matters, your son's story matters. Is that what you also want readers to know as we're talking about these very personal aspects of your life and what you're dealing with with Andrew? Do you want other people to know that their story is just as important and deserves to be told as well? Yes, and and – that's what I've done. I've any uh, parent reading this. I've I've been uh, you know parents have been well. People of all ages are interested in it. But uh, 
of course, uh, anyone who's a father or a mother and they see the title, A Father's Search for His Son, they've, they've been uh, very interested and very empathetic. And so in this book, I try to give a true uh, portrait of our family and, and of myself and of my faults as well as my good points and also of Andrew's faults and his good points. So I try to give a, a, a full portrait of him and um, to show how he had a, a, a wonderful upbringing. We live in the country. His, his mother and I have both been teachers, and I'm a writer, and, and uh, you know, I've been a, a hard worker all my life, and I think I set a good example for him. And he was always very supportive of my writing. I'll never forget when he read my first book, uh, Racing My Father, he read that in Iraq and ordered some books for his friends. And there they were. I was reading that at the camp before he had to go out and and uh, go fight. And that was a lot of fun. He, he has been so supportive. And he was a, he was a wonderful young man. And, uh, he was very gentle, the most social of our children. And uh, like a, kind of a home buddy, he loved being at home, being read to. I have a picture in the book that's a favorite of mine that I took uh, back when we took pictures with film and uh, it's of Andrew and his brother, Patty and the mother's in the middle. Ansley's in the middle of reading a book to him and he's just all cuddled up with her. And he loved all that sort of thing. He loved his family and the PTSD has just stripped all that away where he's paranoid. He's suspicious of us. He thinks we're trying to, to do something to him. He thought his brother was in the FBI searching for him he has these hallucinations, and it's it's just such a shame. And I, I think he still could get help and still could be better, but we'd have to find him first, and then and we'd have to somehow coax him into receiving help. That's the most difficult part is because, of course, he, along with thousands of other veterans, doesn't want any help. Yeah. And uh, that's another point, like Memorial uh, Weekend coming up, is that, I hope people realize when, when these young men come back from wars and come back from serving in the military and when anyone comes returns from some has trauma to keep an eye on them and, and on the person. And to, if they start showing uh, the signs of, uh, of PTSD, which you can Google and look up and are pretty obvious uh, nervousness, uh, outbursts of anger, paranoia, and that, if you see that in a loved one, that you try to get them help early on. and Because um, we tried to do that with Andrew, but, but he wouldn't listen because, you know, he was a young man, he was tough, and he, right. he thought he was fine. It is a, a powerful a powerful account, uh, Patrick, and I'm so glad that you have the courage to be able to, to share it with the world, uh, to share your family with the, with the world, to share Andrew with all of us, but also I think the importance of something that you said that I really, that stood out to me, and that is, is that, you know, you, you love your family, and I think that's something everyone needs to know that they're loved, you know, in spite of the challenges. Uh, and that they have a place to come, and I think that is the important thing, too. Again, everyone, Patrick Smithwick has been our guest. The book is Wars Overcome Home. You can get your copy through our friends at Amazon.com. Patrick and I were talking before we went live here. You can also go to his website, which is PatrickSmithwick.com as well, to be able to find out more information and to get your book from there, too. Patrick, again, congratulations to you. Thank you again for such a great conversation, and looking forward to speaking with you again. 
All right, Cyrus. Thank you very much. I hope to meet you one day, and uh, best of luck, and thank you for having me on the show. Glad to do it. Thank you for that. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webster. As always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live, and let's go make today amazing. Take care. <music>